What's going on, everybody? Yeah, welcome to episode seven of Flip the Record. So, actually, this will be episode eight since we cut up the last one. Oh yeah, look at that. We skipped ahead. <laughs> yeah, but this is going to be a uh, free-form grab bag. So we're just going to kind of go all over the place here. Yeah, a little bit of everything, music, uh, different stuff we like, and we'll get into some cool stuff today. Been looking forward to this one. Yeah. What do you want to kick off with? Do you want to hit uh, covers first? Yeah, let's let's get into some covers, man. All right, let's do it. Cool. So I brought up Joey a few weeks ago because um, we, we've gone through a few of these artists and they've done some cool covers. You know, we did the Shinedown episode where they did the Simple Man cover. Um, John Mayer's obviously got a few covers in his catalog. Um, Foo Fighters even had a, a few last week. Yeah. What am I forgetting right here? Uh, well, they had the the Ramon, Ramones cover. Yeah, Danny that's right. says. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah so, you know, we've, we've gone through a few of these and it just kind of got me thinking like, man, there's a bunch of like cool covers that like just get put on regular albums that – Sometimes you just overlook, but I think it's really fun when a band does covers of like old rock songs and even even bands that you might not think as of as like rock artists doing rock songs um, or rock artists doing songs that aren't necessarily rock songs. Um, I just think it's like a fun experiment. It's obviously not something that um, every band necessarily wants to do a ton of and you don't see a ton of. There's a couple examples, like I said, Smith and Myers uh, from Shinedown. Weezer has a whole uh, covers album that was mixed teal album yeah teal album it's it's got some good stuff got some bad stuff um but i just really love it and you know what when you go in concert man you see these guys in concert that's like one of the highlights of the show is when you see him pull out a cover and you're like holy shit i know that song that's that's so fucking cool uh so yeah i just wanted to bring it up maybe talk about some of our favorite covers today and maybe do a top 10 huh um if you don't have a top 10 i do i'll run it down okay yeah yeah i do not i okay. just i have a i dove into I don't know, five, six, seven covers. Oh, I, I got a whole playlist. Is it's maybe thirty some long, and I could have put thirty more in, but I just picked you know some of my favorites there. Um, okay. Well, how, how do you want to rattle through this? Yeah, we'll just talk about some of our favorites here. Uh, All right. So, sh- tell me what's on your list. Give me, give me a few to start off here. All right. Well, let me. Uh, I don't want to overlap you too much. No, you're good. So, yeah, so first cover here, I want to talk about Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams by Eurythmics. So the original song is a synthy pop song that's, like, got a lot of keyboard in it, uh, whereas Marilyn Manson's cover is, like, this super, like, dark kind of, like, slow rock, and it's it's just a – it's, like, a, it's almost creepy. Like, his cover has dark and distorted guitars – where the original is like this catchy, like kind of poppy song. The cover, like I said, is just kind of like sinister and like creepy. Manson's got this super low and raspy voice. Uh, I mean, I, this is a really popular one. I'm sure you probably heard it before, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this gets played on rock radio all the time. Uh, it, yeah, Man- Marilyn Manson's like a heavy metal slash like horror rock artist. Um I'm surprised you brought this one up. This wouldn't be something I would necessarily put in your uh, repertoire, but so uh, it, it's on uh, my workout playlist. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that totally. Because um, it, it does. It's like you said. It's real slow in the beginning, um, and even as he gets out of the chorus, like he drags it along with this kind of loud screeching vocals, and um, not no i don't want to put it that way it's not loud screeching vocals it's like drawn out kind of eerie screeching vocals um and then like really ups the ante into the verse or into the chorus um 
it's not one of my favorites, but I could totally see this on a workout playlist. It absolutely belongs on a workout playlist. Yeah, so the original song, too, is about power and corruption in the music industry. In Manson's version, he changes some of the lyrics, and he kind of makes it more like about like a relationship and more like sexual. So he changes... He added the line to the chorus, I want to use you and abuse you. I want to know what's inside you. I'm going to use you and abuse you. I'm going to know what's inside you. Like, that's not in the original. Yeah, it's a little more straightforward to the point. Okay. And he also changed one of the other words or phrases in the verse from keep your head up to hold your head up. So it's very, it's got like this very like sexual like connotation. Like, uh, again, it's just very creepy and like eerie. And, and Marilyn Manson is 100% like, creepy and eerie like person like disavow as a person but this cover is really good (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i don't know how i don't know how much else i have on that man it's just a weird ass song to me i i think i'll listen to it on the radio occasionally that's about it um kind of in this same vein of, of songs that get like turned in a completely different direction have you heard the seether cover of take careless whisper no, I haven't. So you've heard Careless Whisper by Wham, right? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Can you play it? Yeah, give me one second here. Cut the dead noise. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Careless Whisper by Wham. Yeah. It's uh, it's actually, uh, you've seen maybe Deadpool, is it Deadpool 1 or 2? Yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he makes a big deal about uh, George Michael and, and this song. No. It's like a whole bit throughout the movie that he's a big Wham fan. Oh, okay. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah, so Seether does a cover of Wham, of Wham, Careless Whisper, and it's the same kind of thing, dude. Like that, that the the Wham version of that song is very like kind of poppy, upbeat with horns and and just like smooth singing into the mic, almost jazzy a little bit, a little jazzy. Seether's version is very much Seether sounding. It's screeching guitars, uh, sound turned way way down low. Um and, and a whole different tune on the vocals. Uh, the guy who's the lead singer of Caesar has a much, much deeper voice than George Michael. Uh, and it, he takes it in a whole different direction. It sounds so much sadder uh, when you hear it from Caesar. In fact, let me, let me pull it up and play a snippet here because it's just, I may not be doing it justice, but you can kind of hear the screeching guitars here. But that's no, that's no George Michael. Right, uh, it, so it's in that same kind of vein. Not, I wouldn't even say it's near as nearly as heavy as the Manson cover we just talked about, but follows the vein where it cha- it flips the song on its head completely. And if you like it, it, it enriches it fully. Um, I like I like when when people do that and they kind of like flip the genre a little bit. Yeah, I think it, it's a real like boomer bust proposition yes but when it works it really works right if you can do if you can do it and still capture the essence of what the song's about it works but if you like if you miss on it and then it's kind of like eh. well and we talked about uh we talked about zombie on the dreamers uh episode right and it's the same kind of thing where that song isn't necessarily upbeat but they really like they they heavy it up big time uh on the zombie or on the uh the bad wolves cover and whether or not you're a huge fan, uh, it, it brings a whole different kind of feel to the song. In my opinion, it's a really, really cool cover. Yeah. So I same like kind of thing there. Um, you know, there's some cool stuff, too, where artists just really, really do a good job of, of 
sticking to the the principles of the song. I think there so there's a cover of Dancing Days, which is a Led Zeppelin cover by the Stone Temple Pilots that I really love. Um, let's see here. I think Simple Man, uh, for the most part, but the Shinedown cover more or less sticks to its roots. Uh, doesn't really. It, what I think they do really really cool in that song is turning the guitars down a little bit and letting Brent do most of the work on the vocals. Um, yeah. Awesome cover. Yeah, his range. They really let his range shine. Yeah, the they cover. let him do. They let him do the lifting on that song, um, and that's uh, that's the main reason I like the acoustic better, be, version better than the rock version, because the rock version's good. The acoustic version's way better. Yeah. Um. Some stuff I I am like stuff I just oddball stuff. Africa by Weezer. Uh, that's a, that's probably uh that's a top ten. I mean that's classic. It's pretty fucking cool. I I didn't when I first listened to this album. I saw a couple of the tracks that I was so confused. And that that's the first track on the album. Shocking. They do a really nice job of that. I I think that's their most popular or one of their most popular songs is that cover. It's always on the radio. Oh really? Yeah yeah yeah. Let me pull up Weezer real quick in Apple and see if I see. It, it that. wasn't on the top ten because I, I looked. I listened earlier today. I listened to a couple songs off the Teal album, uh, but that one for sure is is the most popular. When you pull up Weezer, it's the fourth song in top songs. Oh, it on is on Apple. Oh, okay, it was a little bit different on Spotify. That's crazy, man. They got a bunch. They got a big discography, a lot of songs. That's crazy that Africa made it to four. Um, but weird stuff there too. But yeah, that's a cover. The originals by Toto. Yeah, by Toto, and it's this really weird synthy keyboard like pop song. And, and Weezer, I mean, they're definitely not a hard rock band, but, like, firmly in rock. Uh, and so to see them branching out into, into Toto, uh, <laughs> it's a stretch, but it's cool. Yeah, definitely. They got another stretch on the album. See, I liked Africa. I didn't like Paranoid. Oh, I didn't listen to that one. So they did a cover of Paranoid by Black Sabbath, which is a... Uh, we'll call it a 70s heavy metal song, because heavy metal in the 70s means a completely different thing than it does now. Heavy metal in the '70s is more comparable to what, like hard rock today. Um, like Kiss used to be a heavy metal band, okay. Um, but so they do a cover of, of Paranoid. They clean the guitar up a little bit. It it sounds just more crisp than the original uh, Black Sabbath version. I don't think Rivers is built for heavy metal. It's just not his sound. Um, really, really didn't like that cover. Um, but given they're doing a whole album of different stuff, and I think this was a lot like the Smith and Meyer stuff, where they reached out for some um, some interest from fans to see what they wanted to hear, uh, and so that that made it on there. I feel like a few other bands have done Paranoid before. It's not a hard song to cover, um, just not my favorite off that album. It's all right. Yeah, most of the other ones I listened to, I didn't really like that, or they were all right, but I didn't. I like the original songs better. What else you got on there? Yeah, so uh, qu- I got before I get into more detail ones, quick hitter. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly does a cover of "Misery Business" by Paramore Whoa. on his "Tickets to My Downfall," his rock album. I like the original better, but his cover is pretty sick. Like it, it's 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 a, a only a, a ring below a rung below like on Paramore. the ladder. Yeah, on the, from, compared to Paramore, I always thought that song would be a, like a, a badass song with a male singer just to see what it would sound like. Like especially somebody. Who's really gonna let their voice like run a little bit? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't change like the song. Like sonically, it sounds the same. Like maybe they they pick up the drums a little bit because yeah, Travis yeah. Barker produced that album okay, with them. Sick. So 
in uh like he doesn't change much from his voice but like letting a male singer hear like the whoa like it, yeah, it, it yeah. is kind of cool yeah like a little bit of a deeper sound uh kind of raspier that, that's the thing about Haley williams is like she's got a great voice but she does she doesn't really have like a raspy voice and sometimes when you're getting into those heavier songs you want to hear a little bit of that come yeah on. and he so he definitely lets that fly yeah it's, it's, it's a cool one so let me get into uh arguably the best cover one of the best covers of all time Johnny Cash, Hurt. I wanted to talk about this Nine one. Inch Nails, the original artist. It's fucking sick. Yeah, so I, I took a, a, a couple notes on this one. So I had heard this before, like uh, several years back, someone had told me, they're like, oh, did you know that was a Nine Inch Nails song? And I was like, what? Like, no, I didn't know that. So then I kind of looked into it a little bit, and uh, Johnny Cash had a hell of a career, and at this point in his career, he had like kind of climbed the roller coaster, and he was like on the way down. He was like, pretty old at this point, too. Yes. Yes, he's very, like, he, when... This song came out in, I think, 2002, and he died a year later in 2003. Yeah. I might have the right. year wrong, but he died a year after this song came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rick Rubin actually worked with him on his, some of his last projects, whereas, and this was one of those projects where Rick Rubin was like, gave him like the advice on like, oh, you should, you know, try this out. So the original Hurt is... Uh, more of like an industrial rock song. It's yeah. got you know distorted guitars, synthesizers, drums. Yeah. This version of it is stripped down, acoustic, and then he actually plays a little bit of piano to halfway through. Yeah. One thing that I noticed is, is it feels a little bit more like full bodied. Like people call wines full bodied. This feels full bodied. Like it's it's fully strummed chords. It's Johnny like. Not, he's not in the original version of hurt you kind of hear the band talking like this a little bit uh johnny just lets it out uh not too high not too low he's just singing like he would sing um uh, it feels a little bit more whole and i think that's part of the reason i like that better than the original yeah this is definitely better than the original so Trent Reznor is the the lead singer for Nine Inch Nails. He wrote this song about struggling with drugs and depression. Yeah. Uh, Cash, like like we said, was at the end of his life, and this like he he was dealing with his own mortality, and like you right, can hear right. it in the song. Like even when he opens with the first line, like sometimes when I hear it, it, it gives me chills. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. He 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 dri- it, drips emotion on it. It's his voice is raspy. It's fragile. It's it's so it got so much emotion in it. Right. Right. Uh, and it's, he's like conveying like a sense of like pain and like regret throughout the whole song. Yeah. Knowing, knowing his end is coming, but still feeling the sadness of of not having done more. Yeah. So one other cool thing on this one is the original version ends with the line. I will let you down, obviously implying failure in the cover ends with the line. I would find a way. Yeah. So still suggesting that, you know, there's he a wishes he could do something better. Yeah. Right. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, man. It's it's a classic cover. Right? It's in like if you just looked up like BuzzFeed lists, this would <laughs> a- absolutely be in like top five of all the BuzzFeed lists. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's find a BuzzFeed list for Joey to fuck up. <laughs> uh, uh, one more note on this one. So the music video for this song, which actually won a Grammy. I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very I don't know famous what whatever you want to call it it's just got a lot of notoriety uh, maybe yeah uh it's it's johnny cash and he's he's old he's playing the guitar he's playing the piano and then it's cutaways of like him as 
younger and him at home with his wife and like the Johnny Cash Museum, which was actually like in a state of decay at the time. Yeah. Because, you know, it's kind of reflecting on like the like the fall of, of his, you yep. know, his peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just a it's a really cool music video. It like touches on like his it's just like a portrait of his life. That's that's really interesting. I'll have to check that out when I get home later. I, yeah. I knew there was a music video. For, I had heard like people talk about it, but never really checked it out. That's kind of fucking sick. I'll, I'll look into that. For sure. Um, oh, um, also, before we get into the next one, one more uh, thing. When when Reznor from Nine Inch Nails heard or saw the music video, he's like, he literally said in a quote, he's like, this song is not mine anymore, which is pretty cool. Yeah. When you get covered by a legend like that, man, it's and he does such a kick ass job on it. it you pay a little deference. Like For you, sure. you feel honored to play your own song after that. Yeah. You know, uh, going off that, uh, let's see here. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Just a fun cover, this one. Uh, speaking of Johnny Cash, you, you know Social Distortion? Uh, they did a song in Guitar Hero 3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Social Distortion does a cover of Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. Oh, cool. It's, it's not awesome, but it's just fun. And it's in, like, the Social Distortion sound. Like, if you can remember, like, uh, I forget the song on Guitar Hero, but it, it's that same. Like, they didn't try to do it Johnny Cash style. They did it Social Distortion style. Um, it's a little bit quicker, a lot more, like, like. It, I'll just play a snippet. It's kind of chunky. Nice. Yeah, and, and so the Johnny Cash version is almost like mariachi music to an extent. That's kind of what it sounds like. Um this version isn't that at all. It's just 90s, like, rock. It's fucking cool. Um, not great, but a lot of fun. Yeah. As a quick aside, Guitar Hero, every, any song from Guitar Hero 3 I would have I would have been excited about. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. All, uh, crazy track list. Yeah. All-time, all-time great video game track list. And I've – actually, it's funny. Let, let's do a quick aside. If they put a Guitar Hero video game out tomorrow – I $100, I'd buy it. I'd be in line I to buy it. I would spend – like a dumb amount of money to to go get everything for it, dude. Certainly, it would kill at at GameStop and wherever else they sell video games nowadays, man. Yeah, Fucking dude, nuts. I, I would I would easily pay a hundred dollars or one hundred and fifty to get an extra guitar, have two guitars, and uh, to to hook up to my PS Five and and go nuts. And you guys would be coming over on the weekend, and we'd be yeah, jamming. This is what we'd be doing at half times. <laughs> uh, I I think part of what Guitar Hero's downfall was was they oversaturated. It was yes, like because they released like two games a year. It was like, oh, Guitar Hero Kiss, Guitar Hero Green Day, Guitar Hero Led Zeppelin. Da, da, yeah. da, da. Plus, you had Rock Band. And they were doing it at the same pace, if not more. And it's like they just oversold themselves to the point where people were like, all right, that's enough. But if they put out Guitar Hero, like whatever, to, tomorrow, I, right back in. Why? I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't. I don't know what the develop the, the developer is for those games, but like, why wouldn't you? It's just free cash. Uh, I think it's like a subsidiary of EA. Okay. Like, why why wouldn't you just? I mean, you you want to make there's, twenty there, million dollars like overnight? Some, there's somebody who just recently acquired that like. Um, oh, the body of work. Like the trademarks for that. Uh, I have one of the game developers. It might be Ubisoft or something like that. Anyways, yeah, somebody just acquired all that like um, IP. So yeah, if they wanted to do that again tomorrow, it would kick ass, dude. Dude, they they technically have it like on the VR. They have Beat Saber, which is essentially VR's version of Guitar Hero. Only you're swinging your hands instead of playing notes. Yeah, I I tried it, dude. Uh, 
maybe it's just me because I'm not good at it. But like, no, well, it's, it just didn't do it for me. It's fun. Um, but, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> back to it. Uh, I got another fun one. Uh, the White Stripes, Jolene, Dolly Parton's Ooh, original. That's Have different. you heard that one? No, I haven't heard this. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's obviously it's much more faster. It's energetic. It's It's got the electric guitar and the drums, whereas the original is is not that. Yeah. <laughs> it's Dolly Parton. Uh, and then Jack White's got that. Just He's got a great voice, too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So Did he like spice up the guitar at all on that? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of his signature. How could he not? <laughs> oh, dude. That's a guy maybe we should touch on at some point. Jack White's an awesome... Like, we didn't talk... When we had that quick conversation oh. about top guitarists, we forgot Jack White entirely. That was a disservice. He's a, he's a great he's guitarist. He's a fucking yeah. master, dude. Holy yeah. cow, he's cool. Yeah. I'm by, but my buddy Alex is a huge fan of Jack White, and I, I guess I don't maybe don't listen enough, man. He's just... We, his White Stripes stuff is epic. We should do White Stripes or Jack White at some point. Or yeah. Bo- or both. Yeah, I think we could probably wrap that up into one because I think White Stripes only has like one or two albums. Um, and Jack White maybe has like four solos. And then uh, I think he's in another band where he has like maybe an album or two. I'd have to look into it. But yeah, we could probably do the wrap that all up into one long episode. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, Here's a bad one. A really bad one. Um. <laughs> Sometimes you, I think we talked about the boomer bust potential of flipping a song on its head. In Linkin Park's live catalog, they have a cover of "Rolling in the Deep" by Adele. Really? Oh, I can't believe I missed this. I'll to, I'll to it, check it, that out. It's not fun. It's not good. Hmm. Um. Play a snippet. Yeah, let me give you a bit of this. Does it Does it pick up? No, it's just it's just kind of this pace the whole way through. You're right, that's not exciting. Terrible. Um I mean, go nuts, have fun. I'm sure the crowd loved it, but oh god, I can't believe they put this on a lot like a live album. Uh this is on iTunes Festival Lincoln Park. Ugh. Uh, I've got another <laughs> quick. I don't. This was years ago at Faster Horses, Florida Georgia Line. I think it was the first year they performed at Faster Horses. I don't remember what song it was. I think it was the Real Slim Shady. They covered like Eminem's like part of his Real Slim Shady, and it was kind of like it was it was kind of cool. Oh, but, okay. But I think part of the reason it was cool because we're you're surrounded by fifty thousand people. Yeah, and, like the energy. You just get into it. Yeah. yeah, in that they were playing in Michigan, and so yeah. It, I don't know. That was a unique one, but it it was cool. Yeah. yeah and it's not like that. they were trying to release it as like, hey, here's our cover. Like it was yeah, just there was like, snip. hey, let's do something fun at the concert. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of guys do that. I feel like um I've seen guys do like little bits of Metallica, Aerosmith, um, you know, nineties, eighties bands just to kind of in between songs and whatnot. Yeah, Papa Roach last year, they did a Metallica song. Oh, in between. no shit. Yeah. And it was it was good. I don't remember which one, but it was it was cool. That's fire. I think I talked about it on on the episode on a few episodes ago where Smashing Pumpkins did that cover of um, the Led Zeppelin song. I'm forgetting it right now. Um, Stairway to Heaven, and they like it's already a long song, and they they turned it into like an 11 minute song, and it was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Smashing Pumpkins, they, I had I had them on my list as well. Let me oh. go to my notes here. So Smashing Pumpkins cover Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah, I forgot about and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fire. Yeah, it is pretty good. Billy Corgan's got an awesome voice. He's 
underrated as a vocalist, man. And he does an awesome because Landslide's probably been covered seven million times. Um, and he does an awesome job with it. Yeah. So Stevie Nicks actually said they did one of the greatest versions of the song that she's ever heard. Uh, I still like the original better, but the, for a cover, this is as good as it gets. Is the see? And I'm uh, pardon me, and you may know may may not know either, but. Is the Stevie Nicks version the original version, or is it the the Dixie Chicks? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I either. always thought it was Stevie Nicks. I I kind of thought that as well, but then I heard the Dixie Chicks version, and it's it feels pretty old. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm pretty sure it's Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. And uh, so yeah, I mean the original of that is like soft and and gentle, and then uh, the Smashing Pumpkins is obviously more intense. And Billy Corgan, he gets he lets his voice get really like emotional. And with that song, like it's an emotional song, so I think it that's why it kind of works really well. It's a weird sound to when you when you think of the original, his voice is a weird sound to add to that track. But he does like he's got this like kind of menacing sweetness throughout. And it's just a really cool play on it. I love it. Yeah, and his voice is strained the whole way. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean by the menacing sweetness. It's not like a like Stevie Nicks just kind of like pours everything into it. He does feel like he's straining through the song, but it's it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I got just an interesting story here. Um, so you know, Kiss. Um, mm-hmm. The the let me let me start here. So they get some success in the seventies. Um, towards the end of the seventies, the band's having a little internal strife. The drummer Peter Chris and Ace Frehley on guitar are having some like drug problems, alcohol problems. Um, meanwhile, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons don't drink and don't do drugs. So there's a little bit of back and forth strife between the guys. Um, they're thinking about maybe breaking up and they say, you know what? Let, let's go out with a bang. At least if we're going to break up, we're going to have each band member split off, go get their own group together. And we're going to do four independent albums. And each band member is going to have their face on their cover of the album. And all the, all of the albums will go under the kiss title, but none of the other kiss members will play on each other's uh, on each other's albums. <laughs> It's a weird, weird thing. What a wild idea. They're, it's fucking insane, dude. Um, and so they kind of all go in different directions with this. Uh, Gene Simmons, is he kind of fancies himself this like movie star, kind of like big high-profile uh, rock star. So he goes out and gets like a bunch of famous people to come on his album. Um, Paul Stanley, the, the lead singer, will say, Really, really leans into like the poppy side of things, um, but stays true to the music. Less Kiss, more Poppy Paul Stanley. Neither of those two albums get great success. Peter Chris dives. He, he's not a great singer, but he fancies himself a great singer. So he's the drummer. He dives into like a softer side of things, more of like a bluesy, um, not R&B, but like a bluesy side Uh and it gets mild success. It's not good either, but mild success from the Peter Chris album. Ace Fraley's album fucking kills it. He's the only album that that crushes in sales. Um, and, and so again, this album just has Ace Fraley in, in his Kiss Paint on the front of the cover. And among other songs that he does on this album, he does a cover of New York Groove, which is an old pop song. This album or this song goes ballistic. When you look up Kiss. New York Groove's always in their top ten. Hmm. It's nuts. Do I think it's an awesome song? No. But he adds some really cool guitar work on here. Um, and it's it's the main reason this album goes nuts. 
Um, so just a weird story where a cover of New York Groove shows all when at a time where where Paul and Gene wanted to kick Ace Frehley to the curb because he was getting too drunk and too fucked up all the time on stage, off stage, wherever. He says, "No, I, I I'm holding this band together. I'm a guitar savant, and and to his credit, he's a he's a wizard on guitar. Was a wizard on guitar. Um." He he kicks their ass. It's it's not officially a competition, but he wins the competition. Just a cool story there. Yeah, that <laughs> I mean that's like sounds like an I like just an idea you'd come up with and someone would be like, Wow, that's a stupid idea. That's some real egomaniac rock star shit. Yeah, the fact that they all were like, Yeah, we do need to do this. I'm the best. I will do better than all of you guys, but this isn't a competition. Yeah, we all should make our own albums. <laughs> it's insane, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if like uh, what could you imagine if a band today did that? Like, what band would have enough talent today to try and do that? Green Day, maybe. Yeah, but I don't know if um, if Trey and Mike like can they sing? Uh, yeah, Blink. Well, I mean, they, they, I mean, did, they, it. they did. They essentially yeah. did it. Yeah, they essentially did that. Um, yeah, there's not too many. Yeah, or with the notor- like the notoriety to pull it off, like right, like a lot of the bands they have one person that's really like the star of the band. And everybody else just follows in line. But when everybody in the band thinks they're the the lead man of the band, that's where you end up with four Kiss albums, <laughs> all with different people in the, in the the bands. Truly wild. It's insane, dude. Shortly thereafter, the band did break up. Uh, yeah, Peter Peter and and Ace were there really quick after let go. Gotcha. Um, let's see what else we got here. A couple others, and we'll go on to something else. Yeah, I've got like two more, and then yeah. Uh, why don't you get through yours and I'll do it at my top 10 and we'll uh, get along. All right. Well, I've got two more. One of them is I'll do this one first. Uh, so we're doing 21 pilots next week. Okay. Yeah. I got to start listening tonight. Okay. Yeah. So I, after one of their albums, they do a cover of a, my chemical romance song called cancer. Okay. It's a relatively popular, like my chemical romance song. It, the original song is like a, a piano ballad. The, the lead singer for My Chemical Romance, he has like this, like almost like theatrical kind of voice, where it's he's letting it. Yeah, absolutely, almost like a like a musical on Broadway type. Yes, voice. exactly. The song is about like the perspective of someone that's dying of cancer, and lyrically, it's it sounds like that. So the Twenty One Pilots cover, it's like this synth driven song where it's uh, it's somber. Tyler Joseph's voice is softer and lower. And it's just, it's, whereas My Chemical Romance, it's like, uh, with the, with his voice and like the music, it's just, it's, it's all right I to me, but the t- hearing Tyler Joseph do it, and it sounds like he has cancer and he's dying. Like Jesus. I, om- I almost cried when I listened to it. I, wow. Like it was, it was the first time, like I was just sitting there, I was like, oh my God, like the, I'm getting way too emotional. You know, I, I've had that, I've had that experience driving around listening to some of this stuff. Um, yeah. As we've gone through listening to different albums, like like last week when I was listening to that song about Kurt, um, I forget the name of it now, but friend of a friend or yeah, friend of a friend. Yeah. I, I caught myself kind of like caught, catching a tear at the end. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, obviously, like my mom has cancer, so it, it hits on another level. But just the like is one of the best covers I've ever heard. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Holy shit. And, and two, like my chemical romance, they, they do have. Like we mentioned it, they have a tendency to be a bit theatrical, uh, so I, it's maybe a bit weird to hear them like tune it down to that level, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Last one? Yeah, so last one. Let me just scroll up on my notes here. Uh, is Green Day's cover of Working Class Hero by John Lennon. Oh, I've never listened to that one either. Okay. Oh, this this one got a quite a bit of radio play back in when the Green Day did it. So the original song is uh, it's kind of like a folk rock, rock song with like some acoustic guitar. Um, the cover is acoustic too, but at the end they throw in the electric guitar and it kind of picks up a little bit, which almost helps complement the song in a way, in my opinion. Uh, whereas like John Lennon's version has like this kind of like bitter tone. I mean, the song's about like the oppression of like the working class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, his voice is more angry and like defiant and it's, it's like more louder and raspy. So it's kind of like, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's just for what the song's about. It's like, yeah, like we should be getting mad. Yeah. Yeah. He brings a little anger into it. Yeah. He does that a lot. He's good at that. Yeah. And then, uh, one more fun fact about the original song, John Lennon actually got sued for this song when it was released in 1970 because he used the F word twice. And Congressman Harley Staggers, fuck you, Harley Staggers, tried fuck to get you. The, tried to get the song banned by the FCC. That's like, insane. I know this is in 1970. It's one thing to not like to to blur it out on the radio and do what you got to do to get it on the radio. It's an entirely other thing to sue somebody for putting it out on a disc. To sue an artist, holy and, and not, hell, not, and not just any artist, but the Beatles, John Lennon. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this also feels like oh. They're big enough. We got a chance of making a buck here. Yeah. And uh, Yoko Ono explained that John used the word because he thought, you know, that's how working class people talk. So, yeah, that makes sense. F- fuck you, Harley Staggers. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. I got a bunch of other cool ones, but I'll get into my top 10 here and we can get along with the with the episode here. At 10, one I haven't talked about yet. Still of the night. This is a cover of a White Snake song done by Hailstorm. Oh, OK. Uh, have you heard? It's still the night by White Snake. Uh, in the still of the night. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this cool '80s hair metal song. Lizzie Hale adds awesome. Like they they do the song pretty much exactly the same, except for Lizzie Hale, where she does awesome, awesome vocals on this song, dude. She like just turns it up a notch a little bit, and she's got that raspy voice that I love in yeah, songs. She's like got this. a great voice. Um, so that's a that's a really really cool cover. Uh, at nine, we already mentioned Dancing Days by Stone Temple Pilots. Um, pretty true to the original music. Just a cool, cool cover. And I like the Led Zeppelin version as well. Eight, we'll do the Bad Wolves cover of Zombie. I mentioned it before. Won't go over it too much. Seven is Hurt by Johnny Cash. And it, it's shocking that it ends up at seven. But when I go through some of the others here, maybe we'll we'll have some agreement. Um, six, have you heard the Disturbed cover of Sound of Silence? Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Yes. So really, I, really cool cover. I love that song. Yeah. Or uh, I love the cover. Yeah. So the sound, the sound of silence is a song by Simon and Garfunkel. Again, another one of these like kind of poppy tunes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sorry I have to interrupt. I didn't know that was a cover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can pull up. So the Simon and Garfunkel real quick, but it's absolutely a cover. Um, and in contrast, uh, disturbed really, really tunes it down like slow, Low tone, and so Simon and Garfunkel got this uh, like upbeat sound. Um, the singer for Disturbed has a really, really deep voice. So let me play a snippet of Simon and Garfunkel. Within the sound of silence, in restless dreams I walk alone. 
So it's kind of got this like 80s pop vibe to it. It's still a little bit like slow and downtrodden, but not nearly to the point the Disturbed version is. Um, Disturbed puts down the guitars. They pick up strings and piano. And again, like I was mentioning, the singer really like gets low in his range, um, really emotional into the, each word. Um, and then they pick up... Like, I talked about the crescendo tempo with Foo Fighters. They do a great job job of crescendoing this song where by the very end it's at its highest and then it just drops off a cliff and leaves you trailing off. Yeah. That's one of those songs where I remember the first time I heard it, it was on the radio and it was like one of the more I'm like looking on like the car to see if it yeah, puts yeah. out like the title. Right. And uh, it eventually it did. And I was like, I was like, wow, like that was a powerful song. And it's not like disturbed doesn't have anything else like that. No. Cause I, so Part of the reason I remember it too is because after I went home and I was like, "Oh, like I haven't heard much Disturbed before," and I had listened to like <laughs> you're shocked to find out. Yeah, I listened to like their top five songs and I was like, "Oh, like this was a stark <laughs> contrast to what I heard on the radio." <laughs> it's not exactly their usual bag, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, "Sound of Silence" by Disturbed at six, five. We're gonna go "Lake of Fire" by Nirvana and the Unplugged, the MTV Unplugged. It's just a classic. I love it. Uh, we talked about it on the Nirvana episode, so I won't do too much here. Four, Smith and Myers did a cover of Blue on Black by Kenny Wayne Shepherd that I fucking love. It's just so fucking good. I know you didn't get a chance to listen to those first couple of EPs, um, and this is on one of the first couple of EPs. So if you get a chance, check it out. But it's just really, really fucking cool. And they say before they start the song that they have Kenny Wayne Shepherd in the room as they're recording it, which is also just a cool side note. That's really cool. It's fucking sick. I love it. They all... Side note again, they do a cover of She Talks to Angels by the Black Crows on that same EP. That's also really, really cool. I, I love. Uh, after that, we're going to go Careless Whisper by Seether. Already talked about it. I just I just love the, the, the head turn they did on that song. It's so cool. Two, one we haven't talked about, but a classic here. All Along the Watchtower is a Bob Dylan cover by Jimi Hendrix. The Bob Dylan song and the Jimi Hendrix song sound wildly different. He Bob Dylan does it in Bob Dylan style. It's kind of a um, not soft. I don't want to call it soft, but it's just this old school like folk rock song. Jimi Hendrix does it in Jimi Hendrix style. He turns the electric guitar on high, lets it rip, uh, puts different sounds in there. It's, it's so fucking cool, dude. It, it's it maybe debated. It's debatably his most popular song. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, and then number one, as a, a sycophant that I am, it's Simple Man Acoustic. Shine down. It, it's just the best, man. I love it. Um, and I, I've already said so much about it. I don't want to say too much more, but it's it's so cool. Yeah, I, I figured that one was coming at one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that wraps up my top ten. Uh, thank you, Joey, for gracing us by not giving us a top ten this week. So feel free to roast me, guys. Um, all right. So that's oh. a, that's a little cover, cover talk here. What do we want to do next here? I'm glad I didn't have a list. I probably would have gotten destroyed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's do the – let's just do festival headliners. What, what The okay. next one on there. So this is a question I posted to Joey a few weeks ago. I said, listen, you're in charge of running your own music festival. You can make this music festival however you want, um, but you're in charge of the Joey Music Festival. You have to come up with three headliners that are alive that will headline your festival for each of the three days. Who are your three headliners? 
Um, and, and you can go a lot of different directions with this, right? Because there are some festivals, um, you know, we already talked about Faster Horses, which is purely country. Other festivals, like Coachella that just happened, had everything from, from Frank Ocean to Blink-182. To Blackpink, which I still don't know what a Blackpink is. I, I think it's like one of those K-pop bands. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever, man. Um, I thought it was a slur. <laughs> <laughs> Or like a candy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be careful how I use that one. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, so so you can really go a lot of different ways with coming up with your own festival and and why you might choose a certain direction. Um, So I I thought about mine. I got mine locked in, ready to go. Uh, Joey, how did you go about coming up with this festival? All right, well. This might be another list that I'm not good at, but Here we go. uh, so I, I, I just took it as, or I have a couple different variations, but the, the one I have here is who would I want to see headlining a festival Yeah, and literally just that. So I have Blink-182 okay. because the band is back together now Yep, and I've never seen them live. So I'd love to see them. They're, they've got mass appeal, Yep, multiple generations, people our age, people our parents' age, new generations, like everyone likes Blink-182. Fair, fair. Uh, and then because my like, I listened to a lot more rap gr- growing up, and I think rap and rock blend well as a gen- as genres. Yeah, sometimes for sure. So I have J Cole as a rapper. Okay, okay, um, I can see this. So J Cole is one of my, if not my favorite rappers. Uh, w- almost every album he puts out is is great in its own way, and and he has just a, his catalog is incredible like uh, his different work and uh i've seen him live before he's great and i was debating between him and drake and i was like i'm like i'm not gonna go mainstream and j cole is still mainstream but he's not as main j- drake is peak he's the ep- uh, epitome of mainstream yes he's the final boss of mainstream <laughs> exactly um so that and then to close it out i actually have uh foo fighters who we, who we did last week okay that's fucking sick i like that they're another another rock band but different blink 182 is like you know punk rock Foo Fighters is like rock. Yeah, just good old, not old school, but just good solid rock. Yes. And again, they've been doing it since the 90s, so they have fans from multiple generations. And I think what's interesting about the two rock bands you picked there is they both have like mass, uh, like popular appeal with people who aren't even necessarily rock fans. Um, You know, Blink-182's gotten this kind of cult following lately because pop punk has become uh, somewhat more in, or like popular again uh, with MGK and certain other artists getting back into it. Um, and, and so Blink-182 has kind of grown this this massive, massive following, um, e- you know, even more than they did before. And Foo Fighters just has always been, they've always moved the needle. Um, and if you're not a rock fan, you're not a rock fan. But if you are a rock fan, you're probably a fan of Foo Fighters. So both, I would say both of those bands kind of fit in where you, you could get a guy like Jake Cole in the middle and it still works. Right. And you might, and that's where like, if you're setting up a festival, you have to have some variation because you want, like, if you're a Jake Cole fan and you're within the vicinity of wherever the festival is, you're like, okay, like I, maybe I don't really like Blink-182 or maybe I don't know that many songs, but I love Jake Cole. Like right. I might as well go for a day. No, I'm with you there. Totally. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, don't roast him. That's a good one. That's a good one, boys and girls. Um, I kind of took this, I'm just going to say a similar direction, not the same. My, my thought process here was I wanted to do a rock like festival. 
Um, I just, you brought up mixing rock and rap, and I always think Black to Blink-182 touring with Lil Wayne and just how that didn't go great. Um, and, and it's fine, but it's just I'm sticking with the rock festival. And so I, I want something from rock that's uh, maybe markedly different from each other, but overall brings in a wide audience. So as I go through this, you kind of understand what I mean when I'm saying this. Friday, we're opening with Greta Van Fleet. Mm. Greta Van Fleet is certainly tuned to a younger demographic. However, for the fans of Led Zeppelin out there who may not know so much about Greta Van Fleet, will also appreciate Greta Van Fleet to an ex- to a certain extent. I think that's a it's maybe not the most popular rock band of all time, but they're still young, um, and, and they're gaining a huge following year by year. I think this is a great great Friday opener. Saturday we're going to the Bread and Butter. We got Metallica coming on Saturday. They have a massive, massive catalog of music. Been doing this since the 80s. Uh, This is another band. If you're a rock fan, you will probably... I can't can't definitively say it like I said it about Foo Fighters, but you will more than likely like Metallica. Um, You've heard Metallica Metallica songs. There's something from their catalog you like. And they fucking... they, They get it loud, hard, and heavy. For however long they're up on stage, man, they kick ass live. Um, so that's my Saturday, Saturday op- or headliner. And then Sunday, selfishly, Shinedown's coming to close the sh- <laughs> close the show down. Uh, no explanation needed there. Again, I I, I saw the Shinedown one come in. I like it though. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a markedly different thing too. Where Shinedown, it, I, Greta Van Fleet's an outlier here. They do their own weird thing. Um, it's cool. It's bluesy. It's kind of like psychedelic rock. It's good. Uh, Metallica is definitely heavier than most, um, different, a little bit different, but for the metalheads out there, it really, really amps it up. Shinedown's just good, solid rock, and it's got a little bit of everything. It's got the hard stuff. It's got the ballads. It's really just going to do They're going to do a great job of shutting that shit down. Um, so yeah, so that's my three there. I like it. That's, a, that's, that's pretty good. I like it too. I think, uh, you know, Shinedown used to do a cool thing called the Carnival of Madness tour. Um, where they would get some like big name artists like they toured with Papa Roach and, and like another big band one time. Uh, it, they might have they might have come to town for Riff Fest one year uh, with Papa Roach and Hailstorm. I would I'd pay I'd pay four hundred dollars. Go see Papa Roach signed down in Hailstorm. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. I think that's that's right up there for me on this. Dude, that was all on the same ticket. That was from like yeah, four thirty until whenever they shut down. That's in, that's incredible. Fire, dude. Um. And they did they did it probably three or four times where they had like big name artists come out with them and like do tour a little bit of a tour and whatnot. Um, cool shit there, man. Shine down kicks ass. Definitely. Can I can I do another one? Yeah. All right. So this is uh, a, a, another festival. This is for bands where the lead singer has died in the last thirty years. Oh, okay. This is interesting. All right. So Friday we have Lincoln Park. Okay. So. Obviously, Mike Shinoda still alive. Chester died. Lincoln Park is, I think, eclipses multiple genres where, whether it's alternative, whether it's your metal or rock, like hip-hop. you're a fan of some, yeah, hip hop even. You're a fan of some Lincoln Park. It's an interesting choice for Friday. I'll, well, I'll let you finish. Well, okay. Strange so, you put them on Friday. So I'm doing another rock, rap, rock. Okay. Okay. So Saturday, Tupac. Oh. <laughs> Yo, that's sick. Tup- Tupac Live. That shit I mean, would get the people going. Yeah. Yep. 
Tupac is he was a great performer when he was alive and and he, he had a ton of songs like and even songs that were released after he died that like blew up like go ahead go ahead I got <laughs> I'm gonna one up you but go ahead all right all right and then Sunday hold on now, now I'm gonna one up you. I didn't know you were gonna go ahead so fast can I counter with DMX uh I I prefer Tupac yeah but have you seen the the live oh yeah yeah the, I've I know the one video you're talking about where, where there's it, like a million people around the stage. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a sweet video DMX gets the fucking people going man holy shit. Again, this is just for me, but yeah. Okay, yes. okay. And then, so Sunday, I uh, have Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I still think I would flip-flop Linkin Park and Nirvana, but whatever, it's fine. Sure, that's why. I mean, I'm not I'm not torn to yeah, having yeah. it one way or the other. Right, right, right. Uh, I just, I honestly, I just did that because my list was Linkin Park, Tupac, Nirvana, so I just <laughs> go. <laughs> so I was really thinking hard and long about this, and I came up with three artists for the three days. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a pretty sick show, though, dude. Like, that's like when you talk, we talked a few weeks ago about how much would you pay to go see your artists. Like, that's like a seven, $800 show. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um. All right, what else we got here today? Uh, Let's do... You want to let's do the uh, let's do some would you rather's. Okay, let's get into would you rather. I got some. I got you got fire. I cooked up a couple. All right, let's see what we got. Would you rather listen to Baby Shark on repeat for an hour or sing it out loud in public for 15 minutes? (laughs) 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 There's no right answer. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I I think I'd rather listen to it for an hour. Cause I can I can at least go do something else while I'm listening to it for an hour. I can get chores done. I can do whatever I gotta do. Counterpoint: If you listen to that song for an hour, it's gonna be stuck in your head for the next three weeks. <laughs> at Baby least, shark. Da, 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 da. At, n- nobody will have a video of me singing it for 15 minutes straight, though. <laughs> so yeah, so I think I'd probably agree with you, just because. Well, it depends on where you are in public, like. If if I'm in uh I don't know if I'm in a like a nice restaurant or whatever like I'm getting kicked out of the restaurant or like someone's gonna fight yeah. me so I, I can't do it you know but if I'm like walking down the street and maybe there's people passing by then I can just sing it out loud and people are gonna be like that guy is weird <laughs> he's insane <laughs> yeah. he, he, that's like the sign of a broken man you just see Joey walking down the street singing Baby Shark and it's twice as weird because I don't have a kid with me. It, it, like if it, maybe if I'm pushing a straw or whatever it, and there's a kid in it and I'm we're, and I'm singing Baby Shark like it's a little bit different but yeah if yeah. I'm if I'm at the bar uh, someone is gonna come up to me and ask me kindly what? to leave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just horrifying so I, I I'm I'm with you on that one I'm gonna go with listening listen to it for an hour and just deal you with just the consequences get it out of your head after the after the day or like just just flush it out with the heaviest thing you can find yeah uh okay yeah. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Would you rather have or be an artist that has a one-hit wonder or be a backup singer for a famous band? Ooh. So, let's see here. Financially, the crazy thing is here, financially, you're still probably better off with the one-hit wonder. I disagree. I, if you're a backup singer for a famous band, the band probably makes a lot of money touring, and as long as you don't screw up and you do it for 10, 15, 20, 30 years probably make a, a good living off of it in today's age of streaming one hit wonders some one hit wonders might get like the label to give them i don't know 300 grand or, or something to make an album but that yeah. might be it yeah that's maybe a good point especially with the streaming era nowadays where they just don't make as much money off their the records as they do 
or sorry, off their singles as they do touring. Like touring is the bread and butter for for artists nowadays. Um, thank you, Taylor Swift. Fuck yourself. Um, so yeah, you're actually probably right. Touring for 10, 15, 20 years as opposed to having one hit, one hit is certainly more financially doable. And backup vocals for a huge band is probably like it's like being a backup quarterback. As long as you can show up and like be there, it's not the worst gig in the world. Yeah, it's probably a good gig. On the other hand, having a one-hit wonder would be sweet. Like to have a song where like if you're at, let's say like, you know, you you have the one-hit wonder in your 20s and you're in your 30s or 40s and you're just sitting at a bar and like the song and it's like sweet let's say it's like sweet caroline or like a song of that magnitude comes on and everyone's singing along and you're just sitting there like yeah i got that shit yeah yeah like the guy uh, the guy who did mo bamba is set for life uh sheck west <laughs> i actually saw someone there was a twitter thread recently where it's like famous rappers that you know you haven't heard of anymore and that was one of them where they're like <laughs> one and done designer actually did you hear the, the the latest news about designer uh bad stuff man you remember panda panda yeah. panda, panda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 designer was recently uh strapped to an airplane seat because he was uh, exposing himself on an airplane oh man yeah so one hit wonder not doing great nowadays yeah um but i still yeah, you get like, say you get, I don't know, there's maybe two different levels of one hit wonder, right? There's like uh, 8675309 one hit wonder, and then there's like uh, Mo Bamba one hit wonder. Yeah. Like, like everybody knows 8675309, but nobody goes crazy for it. Everybody goes crazy for Mo Bamba. Uh, here's, an, here's another point. So Chief Keef had uh, probably two Sosa. And I don't like. Yeah, yeah. So outside, maybe he has one more, but outside, like he's got two or three max. And I remember we were in college, and in our organization, in college, we got an email from the promoter of Chief Keef. I remember this. Who wanted us to book him for a venue for thirty grand? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, once the one hit wonder, you know, famousness kind of wears off, like. You're trying to get college kids to book you for thirty grand. I mean, I don't know. That'd be tough. I forgot about that entirely. Uh, let me pull this up here. That album, uh, Kanye West presents good music. It has some. It's got some bangers on it, man. Yeah. Uh, don't like is the last song on the album. Is but, Mer- Mercy on that? Yeah, Mercy's yeah, on it. Uh, yeah. Clicks on this. Oh, that's another. That's Jay Z and, and Big Sean. That that song goes hard. Yeah, man. This song is. This album goes hard, man. Holy cow. Um, I think those are the only hits off this album, but Chief Keef, is he anywhere else? I don't see him anywhere else on this album, but yeah, yeah, those would be the two hits, I guess. There's a Jay-Z line in, in Click where it's like, let me just, I'll pull it up, otherwise I'm going to butcher it. Okay. Oh, okay, here it is, so. Turn that 62 to 125, 125 to 250, 250 to half a million. Ain't nothing nobody can do with me. Yeah, it's fucking hard, man. Yeah. He, he goes nuts on that song. <laughs> uh, all right, where the fuck were we? Yeah, so we... Oh, that was yeah, another Would You Rather. Wow, we really got dove, we dovetailed off yeah. on that one. All right. Um, <laughs> I got a good one here. <laughs> Would you rather have a threesome with Rihanna and Chris Brown or Katy Perry and John Mayer? <laughs> Katy Perry and John Mayer. I know at least Chris Brown won't beat my ass. 
Oh, see, I, I this is a tough one because Rihanna is, in my opinion, way hotter than gorgeous. Katy Perry. Gorgeous. So that for me, I'm like, oh well, obviously I want to choose that. But Chris Brown and John Mayer will both emasculate me in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Chris Brown would be like, oh, is that all you got? It's like the little Dicky song. Yeah, then yeah, yeah. that way he'll emasculate for sure. Whereas John Mayer would probably be like, oh, that's how you make love, and like try and like emotionally, like, <laughs> or 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 he might try and sneak in a kiss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like John Mayer get too into the moment, man. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Chris Brown, like the whole time, he's like, "Fuck this guy, get him out of here." Right. John Mayer is is full into it. Chris Brown's like, "All right, let me let me show you how it's done." And Rihanna keep has to keep telling him, "Like, no, like let him go too." And it <laughs> yeah, I just don't think I don't think the first option would be fun, enjoyable at all. The second option, maybe not super enjoyable, but certainly more than the first. What if both the guys were into it? Would that change your mind? No, I I don't want both either guy being into it. <laughs> Um, I, I think I, I think if, if the other, if it was the other way around where neither guy was into it, I would even more be on the side of Katy Perry, Katy Perry and John Mayer. That would push me even further in that direction. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's just me though. I don't know. I think, I think the price of, yeah, at least you get to, you know, I think, I think I'd have to, with I, Rihanna. I think I'd have sick. to choose Rihanna and that Chris Brown. Sick. You, you can get over a lot of things. If I uh, if I could just if Chris Brown beats my ass, but then it's still like we have the threesome after, then oh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> we can move past it. Throw me in horny jail. <laughs> Thank you very much. Can I have another? <laughs> uh, Wild. <laughs> oh, what a proposition. Uh, here's another one. Would you rather write a hit song or write a best-selling book? Uh, let me re- sorry. Let me do that. Again. Would you rather write a hit song or a best-selling book? Definitely a song, man. Uh, I just feel like authors aren't like all that nowadays, man. Nobody really reads anymore. Or maybe I'm maybe I'm way 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 off on that. But like the things people read nowadays aren't like critically acclaimed books. They're they're pop more or less. They're pop writing. Yeah, I was just thinking like from a financial standpoint, I think you'd probably make more money off the book. Yeah, probably. Yeah. From like if you just let's say you wrote the song, but you weren't actually singing it, like you wrote the song and you sold it to you know, to Ed Sheeran, you'd probably make more money writing the book. Yeah, my I just think you and maybe you don't even want this, but you definitely get more notoriety as like a like a as a, an author. Yeah. Yeah. Um or no, sorry. I was I was going to say songwriter. Really? Um, I mean, how, are, well, so, okay, so, so let me like, back this up. Are, am I like a ghostwriter in this situation? Well, so I, in the because you and I can't sing, so it yeah, doesn't make right, sense right. that in this scenario we can sing the song too. Okay, so fair enough. Fair assume enough. that we have to sell it to someone. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right. Then you'll still get more notoriety as a writer. Although, like, if you caught J.K. Walk or J.K. Rowling like walking down the street, would you recognize her? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, those are the good ones I had. All right, cool. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, let, let's do the AI music real quick. I know we've been going kind of down the line here, but let's do AI music really quick. That you one's wanted, more interesting. You wanted ones. to talk about this. I do, yeah. Let me pull up the... Actually, I, I when did I send this to you? I might still have the links. It's probably like a week and a half ago or so. Because uh, we're not going to get copyright if we play this either. So. Yeah, that's kind of a key point of this. <laughs> Yeah, so there there were two Drake songs that are uh, completely AI generated. Somebody wrote the song, and then they use AI to generate the lyrics for it. 
and it's not just Drake, not the though. lyrics so you know, the this song. has been kind of a popular trend on on social media where like they got these ai bots coming up with all sorts of different artists doing ai songs like kanye had ai, AI songs um they got artists doing like I've heard Kanye songs, or not Kanye. I've heard Kanye doing like covers of other songs by AI that like you would just never think twice about. Um, it's it's wild how how like similar it is to real real like music. Like you almost wouldn't know the difference. You kind of wouldn't. No, I mean the Drake like with the Drake one. It you yeah. Like that's not like there's how could you tell that wasn't a Drake song? So the way I understand it is basically they have somebody singing the song and then they dub Drake's voice onto it. Is that kind of how it works or? No, no, I think it works where it's like you input it into like a text field and then it pops out Drake. Yeah, but I, I don't know if you have to. Cause I haven't used the like these tools. I, I don't know if you have to like upload like other Drake songs or somehow like it has to know yeah. like okay there's this many thousand hours of drake singing on the internet i can and use it composes itself exactly yeah yeah okay and that that's it's not terrifying in the sense like you guys talked about the ai problems on premature bingo um it's it's not terrifying but it's, it's, a, it's a it's a serious problem for record companies um you know a couple things first like the record companies want to make money off this shit and they're not making any money off off some schmo in, in a computer lab coming up with these new Drake songs. Um, to an extent, that's copyright infringement. Um, secondly, kind of what you guys talked about, you can kind of just make these guys say whatever you want. So you could have Drake sing a song that's not awesome, um, and, and then it's just out there, man. And if it gets popularity, it just it lives in the internet forever, no matter how many times it gets taken down. You know, like. It, it, it's not something I'm looking forward to, but this is kind of the reality we're in now. Yeah, see, I... Well, okay, so let me back up. One, I think you actually could make money off it in the sense that... Uh, so Grimes, who used to date Elon Musk, she's a musician, she like just was one of the first artists to say, like, you can use my voice and, and my, you know, essentially name image likeness. I don't... For, yeah. for lack of a better yeah, right, better right. term... Um, for any kind of AI songs, but she gets a cut of like, she gets like a percentage or cut of the royalty or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So if they release music with her and it, let's say, uh, you know, it gets 10 million views on YouTube or whatever, like she can get a cut of that. She can get a cut of, and it, here's another thing. What if someone writes an AI song that's a hit and then the artist just sings it and then takes advantage of it and sings like sings it on tour and, and uses it to, to make money that way. I mean, it, I think it's, I think there, there's just, artists will just have to get creative, and I don't think it'll be like an end all be all or anything. I don't think most artists will want to like embrace it. I, I think artists to to be this successful or as successful as like a big artist is, you have to have a sense of like like I'm the shit. And when somebody else comes in and just throws out like computer generated you, and it's as popular as as your own like original work is, you feel slighted almost. Maybe no. Yes, but let me let me back that take up a little bit. What I don't mean like uh, Drake is gonna go out there and do a whole set of AI songs, but if someone writes a song that's like an objective, like you banger. play this at the party, it's a banger, it's got a catchy hook. You don't think Drake would just slip it into like the middle of his set, just as like a hey, like this song was written with AI, but I kind of like it too, so I'm gonna do it. I could I could kind of see that. I just 
I think it'll be a case by case basis, and I think there will be a bitch load of of litigation about it. Yeah, and that's already starting to kick off. Um, I know certain record companies have already said, like, hey, we're not doing this. Um, anybody who does this is going to get sued to the fullest extent of the law. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see how this progresses, given that legal threat. But it, it's crazy how good it can sound. It could do – they're not remixes because they've never been done, but you could do Nirvana on, on your favorite rock tune, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there is – like. I think there's cool potential for live music in this. I don't know so much about produced music, but I think the real potential is in live music here. You mean like people performing live? Uh, I, I guess I, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just speaking to this, like this electron, maybe this like DJ portion of it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, you're right. There is some potential for the, for the produced stuff, but it's, it's going to be dicey. See, I, I like I can picture myself like sitting down with whatever program it is or whatever and just playing around with things and just enjoying like hearing some of my favorite artists do something they don't normally do because there's only a finite amount of music that each artist has right whether it's five six seven eight nine ten albums whatever yeah yeah so the fact that you can go back and and uh, have them do covers or write something like write a little jingle and have your favorite artist do that I think that is that's right. that's badass yeah, yeah, there's there's potential for fun here, but uh, I I just think the people doing this need to like know where to draw the line between like fun, happy, like like this isn't re- like like the, it crosses the line when you're putting yourself off as the real thing. Sure. Oh, uh, totally. I and I yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. Like if you're trying to pass it off as like this person wrote this and this is their stuff, like no, that's too far. I I think as long as you, as you clearly state like hey this is you know this is a, a remake of this is an ai generated remake of of whoever yeah then maybe maybe there's something there i don't know i don't know if it'll even catch on um you know like w- would people put these things in their playlists i don't know i would but uh, i put that drake song in my playlist it, it's kind of bangs yeah yeah no I, I feel you there it's just weird man i'm i feel like i'm the old guy yelling at clouds here but um and usually i'm not dude like i don't I'm not nearly as scared about AI as, as most people are. I think there's a lot of potential for good um, and obviously for, for bad too, but that's just kind of how technology is. Um, but yeah, this one, I just, I, I don't know. I haven't quite embraced it yet. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm, I'm just super glass half full on, on this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. that. I feel that. Oh, what do I want to kick off with? Uh the the news of the weekend. What I spent a good chunk of my Thursday, Friday, Saturday looking at and doing. The NFL draft. Real quick. We'll we'll get to music soon, but I do have some some pointers or thoughts here. Um so the draft round one on Thursday, two and three on Friday, and then everything else on Saturday. Um maybe let's start with your team. Your team had much more of a shakeup than than the Lions. How do we how do we feel about Green Bay's draft, or do we have any opinions uh, at all? Mi- mixed feelings. I don't know. I this is one of those ones where I kind I like the first round pick. I was like, eh, because every year for the last probably oh, fifteen years, as long as Rogers has been quarterback, tune in, guys. <laughs> every year, the Packers in the first round, it's like, okay, maybe they could give Rogers some help, whether it's at wide receiver or tight end or whatever. O line. And every year they, de- or yeah, O line. Every year they decide to draft a defensive player, and their defense is average at best. The they, the Packers have never had with Rogers a top five defense they might have cracked top 10 once or twice but 
for the most part, their defense is lackluster. And every flipping year, they draft another de- defender with their first-round pick. And they've got some good ones, but the defense is never – it never it like goes to the next level. So their first-round pick, whatever. Their second and third-round picks I love. They got a tight end, and then they got a wide receiver out of Michigan State, uh, Reed, who I think is going to be a beast. So I like those two picks because they'll give Jordan Love some help and a couple more weapons on offense. Well, and they got another tight end. So this is very this feels very Packers, very Midwest. Uh, they didn't get any offensive linemen in the first four rounds. Five. They didn't get any offensive linemen at all. You didn't pick a single offensive lineman in this entire draft. <laughs> Uh, but you did get two tight ends in the second and third round, um, which feels very Packers. We're running the football. Uh, we're stuffing everybody up front, and especially when you're moving to a younger quarterback who's, I don't know if unproven is the right word to say, but definitely hasn't quite reached his potential yet. It just hasn't had a chance. Yeah, right. Um, it, it's very, very Packers-esque to draft two tight ends in, in three consecutive picks. Yeah, the offensive line was decent last year. We were banged up, but the guys that we got like to fill in for the guys that were hurt actually played pretty well. Like, There, was, there weren't too many games where Rodgers was like running for his life. Funny enough, I feel like the Jets game would be one of those games. It felt at least it felt like one of those games where he was getting battered at the line. Yeah, I don't I don't remember any. I, tr- I blocked all that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, a quick inside story for the listeners at home. I remember watching the Jets Packers game with you. It was a cold kind of like bliss, blustery, snowy day in Green Bay. Not blizzarding, just scattered snow showers throughout the day. Bit of rain, and somewhere in the third quarter. Joey looked at us, and the, the Packers were winning, and Joey looked over to me and Patrick and some other people, and he said something along the lines of, we're not losing this game, it's just the Jets. The Packers then went on to lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets, and then for weeks to follow, every game would say something to the effect of, we're not losing this game, it's just the fill-in-the-blank. Yeah, so this actually started with the Giants in London. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. It was yeah, the Jets. That was the first one. I, the Jets, I think they played either a week or two weeks after. It was it was a stretch of the Jets, the Commanders, or the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders, the Lions, the Lions twice <laughs> throughout yeah. the season. <laughs> and there, there came a point towards the end of the season where things were looking real dim uh, right before they went on that run at the end where he just stopped saying it. He, he had taken his lumps, he'd had enough, and he, he gave it up. Because no, every week after the first one, we goaded him into it, and he, just, he fell right into our mousetrap. Ever since then, no more. Yeah, I mean, we lost, I think, six or seven games in a row that were uh, arguably close games. <laughs> and then you picked up three or four right off, the, off that, and then you lost to the Lions again. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, looking at your draft, aside from the players you already mentioned. Oh, you know what pick I don't get is they took a quarterback in the fifth round from Penn State. I was just about to get there. Um, every team needs a backup quarterback. And I don't think you currently have a backup quarterback. We do. It's uh, He was on the practice squad last year. His name escapes me. Okay, so you have a backup quarterback. But not really. Yeah, but not really. So I actually don't hate that pick in the fifth round just as like somebody to like be there. Yeah, um, I, I guess. I like, think he, but the guy we drafted from Penn State, I, his name escaped me. But Sean Clifford. Yeah, he's older than Jordan Love, I think. Yeah, but he's not like old, old. Like, this is the, people talk about Hen and Hooker, and we'll get into that in a minute here. But, um, dude, it's not like he's 32. 
Uh, <laughs> fair know? enough. Like you've seen so many quarterbacks that get into their, we'll call it late thirties nowadays where it's as long as you could stay relatively healthy, you're able to do it until your late thirties. Um, so when people get like mouthing off about old quarterbacks because they're 24, 25 years old, it just doesn't settle with me. You'll still at best case, you'll still get 15 years out of him. And at worst case, he'll be as bad as any other quarterback you draft. Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, let's I mean, speaking of, of drafting old quarterbacks. Yeah. You want to uh, transition to the Lions? Let me pull up their their draft real quick. Um, so I while you do that, I was watching the draft and. I was like talking out loud to myself and in my wife i was like oh like uh the lions if it gets to them they can draft jalen carter at six like if the seahawks decide they don't want to draft jalen carter people have been saying he could be the best player in the draft the lions could use some help on defense they really why, need d linemen yeah. why wouldn't they take this guy and then it it plays out the way it does where the texans take stroud which i predicted and quick hold on hold on uh about two th- two and a half hours before the draft started CJ Stroud was plus 300 to go number two, and I locked it in. And about an hour later, he was minus 1,500. Yeah, I, I hit him at plus 500. Yeah! Come on! Yeah, and uh, so so Texans take him at two. Then they trade into the third pick, and then um, the fourth pick is the Colts. They take Anthony Richardson. Seahawks mm-hmm. take the cornerback Witherspoon, right? Yep, yep. So the Lions, the sixth pick goes to them. I'm like, okay, cool. They're going to take Jalen Carter. Take like, Jalen Carter. Why wouldn't you? Worst case, we'll get the other guy, Terry Wilson, the the edge rusher. Yeah. So then right? they trade back. Wrong. <laughs> Brad Holmes is his fucking bag early today, folks. So, yeah. So so we get the sixth pick. We're trading back to the Cardinals, who had already traded down to 12 because they got rid of their third pick so the Texans could move up. So now the Cardinals are coming back up to six. They get their offensive lineman that they really need. We'll skip a few picks, but Jalen Carter ends up going to the Eagles, Eagles at ten, at nine. Sorry, yeah. nine. They made a trade to get to nine instead of ten. Um, so Jalen Carter's off our board, but you know what? There's still plenty of good players on the board. Um, we're probably still looking defense here. There's Christian Gonzalez, uh, a couple other corners, some D linemen. Uh, Luke Van Ness at this point was still on the board. Um, you know, there's a lot of places you could go. Again, here goes Brad Holmes. Fuck everybody. We got Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. I, he may be a great player. We also, at this point, have three running backs on the roster uh, that are all impact players, and only so many people can go on the field at once. When, when this happened, I was very, very disappointed. As time has allowed me to settle in and think about this, and now that we've seen DeAndre Swift get traded to the Eagles, I think everything's okay. I'm still not in love with where they picked him, but if that's their guy and they knew they needed to get Swift out of town because he couldn't stay healthy, I'm cool with that. Um, move forward a couple picks again. The Lions are up at 18, and they get Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Love it. It wasn't a popular pick with, with the fans, I think. Um, dude, like ESPN put out a stat that he was like 99.9% chance to be available when yeah. we came up again in the second round <laughs> i saw that that was hilarious yeah so uh, a bunch of my buddies were like what the hell is this um but he plugged a hole i've been talking about during free agency all all spring we needed a, a like a middle linebacker who was kind of going to run the defense and like run stop and and call the plays and that's exactly what jack campbell is man he could play coverage too he's gonna be our like 
I don't I, I hate comparing rookies, guys who haven't played a snap to to legends, but comp him out, he's like our Urlacher. He's gonna be our Urlacher. <laughs> no, whether, no, 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 no. Yeah, whether, eating it up, <laughs> buying what, into it. <laughs> whether or not he ever plays well or not, that's that's the comp in my mind. So so I'm hoping we drafted Brian Urlacher at the end of the first round. Great. Uh second round comes up. We got three picks at this point. First pick, we take Sam Laporte out of Iowa, tight end. They have a great history of getting tight ends out of Iowa. Uh, I, that's all I got on this yeah, guy. Yeah, they don't miss. <laughs> they don't fucking miss. And they certainly don't trade him to the Vikings a few years later. Never, never. Uh, Brian Branch a little bit later in the second round. Sounds like a good safety. We need depth on defense. Good with that. The third pick in the, in the thir- second round gets traded back twice into the top of the third round. And with the fifth pick in the third round, they take Hennon Hooker, a guy who is coming off an ACL injury and likely won't be available for most of, if not the whole season. 25 years old, older than Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Tua, a bunch of those guys. Justin Herbert. So at the earliest, he'll be 26 when he's available, and we have Goff under contract for the next two years. I don't care what anybody says. This was one of the dumbest picks in the draft. He, listen, time time will tell, right? If we end up getting rid of Goff and Hennon Hooker comes in and he he's our, our awesome quarterback, then I'll be wrong about this take. It is what it is. But situationally, when you're you got a team that's that's ready to to go try and win something now, at least make a massive stride from where you've been the last five, six years to go try to win the North, win the NFC, stuff like that, and you're you have the first pick in the, or the fifth pick in the third round, and you're drafting a guy who more than likely won't see the season for another two years or see the field for another two years. Unfucking acceptable. There had to have been so many other guys on that on that board that could have come in and, and made impactful downs for us all season long this year, all season long next year. The fact that we use that pick on a guy who won't fucking play is unacceptable. Unless they trade golf next off season. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I t- to your like next year if golf gets hurt or whatever, and then they can they can try him out and see what he's like if he's any good. But yeah, I mean, he's just gonna be sitting there on the shelf for a year at least. But that like I've heard people say that right? Like, are you counting on golf getting hurt? Is that how you're justifying? No, this no. I I mean, and if I, well, I said initially I was like, if golf plays as well as as well as he did last year, I mean. Yeah, if he's going to ask for fifty million or whatever, closest to what some of these guys are getting, I doubt the Lions are going to want to pay th- pay him that. So maybe they do see him as like a one or two year rental. But if they can come to terms and get like a, a more modest salary, like he could be the guy for the next five to six years. Yeah, I just I so in my mind, the best case scenario is Goff has a fantastic season this year, and then they trade him in the off season for whatever they can get. You're getting golf at its high at its highest trade value. I mean, arguably you might get more if you traded him right now. But say he has like a like a top five QB season in the or this coming season, you'll get him at at his best. Trade him for something, uh, and then you get to try out your new guy. Um, but I I don't love wasting two years of this dude's rookie contract on a he's only got a four year contract. So after wasting two years of his contract, you now. You, you either immediately – you only get two years to evaluate this guy. 
And at the end of the first year, there's already going to be discussion about whether or not to re-sign the guy. And at that point, you're drafting another quarterback. So why do we draft this guy in the first place? I understand, again, I understand needing a backup, but this guy isn't a backup. He's not going to be on the field this year. It's frustrating beyond belief. You would say the Packers are a good organization, right? Yeah. Well, they they kind well, of well most of the time they don't draft offense in the first round for some reason. They kind of set the trend of uh, you know drafting a, a quarterback and the, Jordan Love. He actually had five years. They picked up the fifth year option, not evaluating him at all for the first four years, and then let him ride on his fifth year option. So the Packers are the trendsetters. The Lions are just showing a blade to the party. In hindsight, now that you're in this situation that you are, would you say drafting Jordan Love in the first round was a smart choice? Dude, that was one of the dumbest draft picks of okay. all time. Okay, well, this is the same thing. <laughs> no, it's different because if the Packers would have drafted up, if they traded up, I think they could have traded up and gotten Justin Jefferson. The Vikings took him. Uh, Jordan Love Only was a few picks earlier. Yes, exactly. So if they would have gotten an impact receiver instead of Jordan Love or maybe another impact defender or whatever, yeah, I mean, maybe they don't lose – every NFC championship game they've ever been in. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for reminding me. I, I totally forgot that happened. But w- I, we can sit and bitch about the Packers and Lions for the next half yeah, hour. Yeah, that's all I got on the draft. I just had to get Henning Hooker off my chest. It's fucking baffling. Hope he does well. I, I really hope he's our quarterback of the future. But if he's not, this. But uh, should we wrap? And we can do the the other, those other two we can do anytime. Yeah, we can hold on to those. We've been going yeah, for a little already going over an hour and a half. Yeah, let's wrap there. All right. Well, this was episode eight. Of uh, flip the record. Couple reminders here. We got twenty one pilots coming out next week. Stay tuned for that. Then Seether, um, and then we're kind of we got a few in the hopper. I came up with one today that maybe we'll talk about next week. Um, Joey, if you got anything, go ahead. But no, I'll, I will pick someone by next week. Okay. Yeah. Um, follow us on socials at Flip the Record, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, like, subscribe, review on the on the podcast pages, Spotify, Apple. Um, thanks again for listening, everybody. See you next week. Yeah, thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.